Okay, so the whole idea is a ridiculer or a mocker will not change even if you punish them. Okay, in other words, you get a criminal and you punish them and punish them and punish them and they, they just don't get the message. They won't learn. That's what he's talking about here. A mocker will not learn. They will not change. No matter how much you punish them. But, but at least somebody who is easily influenced, who is seeing the punishment that they're going through, will get the message and change. That's what he's saying. So we wonder sometimes, you know, a person get in trouble and they get in the same problems over and over and over. And we say, but that person can't learn it. No, they can't. That's what he's talking about here. But you will have other persons who observe what they did and how they were punished for it. They will then get a lesson from it. And that's what the, problem, the writer of Proverbs is saying. The observers might learn a lesson by observing a person who is continually being punished for what they do. But the person who is doing it will never learn, no matter how much they are punished. But a person who has understanding don't need to be punished, is what he's saying. Because the word of rebuke will cause them to correct their mistake and they will get wiser in the process. Now that's a person who applies wisdom. That's a person who pays attention to wisdom. A person who knows the value of wisdom will learn. They will correct their mistake uh, <clears throat> without even being rebuked. And so the big difference between the person who learns from criticism and the person who will not accept correction, there's a big difference. And that's the difference that he's showing us here. Whether or not we grow in wisdom is determined by how we, by how we respond to criticism. How do you respond when you are criticized? That determines how wise you are. And so the, 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 the challenge that we have from this verse then is, listen carefully to all that is said the next time somebody criticizes you, listen to every word very carefully. And the point is, you might learn something. That's the point that he's making here. Verse 26. Children who do what? He's talking about children who mistreat their parents. Children who are disrespectful to their parents. Know anybody like that? And we see that all the time, don't we? The way they talk to their parents, the way they treat them. And so the challenge here, the, the, the point here is, any child who mistreats or slanders their father or evicts their mother from their own home, and there are people who are doing that, is a shameful disgrace to themselves and their heartbroken parents. It shows, it shows how little thanks they have for what their parents have done for them. And we see that happening all the time. Uh, Sandalence is full of, of, of the people who their, their children don't want to take care of them. They don't want to have anything to do with them when they get to that stage in their lives where they need them the most. They become an inconvenience to them and they put them away where other people can take care of them. I remember hearing a young lady said when she was uh, uh, looking at how her 
stepmother was going through in her illness and how all the children were there taking turns, taking care of her because they wanted her to be comfortable in her own home. And she said, boy, if daddy ever get to this day, we could put him inside this. We ain't going through this. That was a statement. And that's what he's talking about here. That's the kind of attitude uh, that people have today uh, toward their parents who are, what, as the old folks say, fall down and get up at them. And yet, that's the way they're treated when it comes to the point where they need uh, need their family the most. Verse 27. Since my son should hear the instruction that caused him to have from Okay, if you stop listening to instruction, instruction being the word of God, you're turning your back on knowledge. Now what, what do we do, what, what is meant by turning your back? Whenever you turn your back, what is that an indication of? Not listening, don't want to hear it, disrespect, don't mean nothing to me. I don't care. That's what it means. Whenever we turn our back on someone, we're saying to them, I'm, I'm not hearing you. You don't, you don't mean nothing. Whatever you say, don't mean nothing to me. Okay, so he says, if you stop listening to instruction, you will turn your back on knowledge. And so like a diamond, this proverb sparkles with new light, no matter which way you turn it. It makes no sense in getting good instruction if you're not going to obey it, because you're wasting both your, your own time and the teacher's time if you're listening to instruction and you're not, it doesn't, it's not, it's not registering. Like we, not, we say, it's not clicking. It's not increasing your weight, your, your, your knowledge. Instead, a person is better off not knowing than knowing and refusing to act on that knowledge. Better that you don't know it, don't learn it, don't hear it, than to hear it and not apply it, and not go by it, not live by it. Remember now, the Bible reminds us that we're going to have to give an account. And that includes all that we have been exposed to that was meant for our good and we didn't take it. Verse 28. And godly witness honest judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. Okay, except for many, except for when they themselves are on trial, justice is scorned by a corrupt witness. In other words, a crooked person, a wicked person, a criminal, don't pay anything, any attention to justice until they are on trial, until they are facing it. Justice means everything. Before that, justice don't mean nothing. Until they get on trial, they consume or spread wickedness with greediness all along. But when justice grabs them and they are in the clutches of it, then that's when they pay attention to justice. And we see that happening all the time. Uh, criminals live life of crime, and as soon as the police grab them, get a hand on them, uh, they want to call for a lawyer. I mean, they're not calling for a lawyer all the time, and they're cooking up these wicked schemes to find out from the lawyer if this is legal or not. But as soon as they get in trouble, they want a lawyer. Verse 29. Judging. <clears throat> okay. Punishment is designed for ridiculous. 
on the box of fools deserve what? A good beating. Anybody who acts foolishly, they deserve a good beating. Because all indications are there for them to do what is right. Everything that is needed to know what is right and to do what is right is there. And so the Bible's position is, a fool deserves a good beating if they act foolishly. That's the Bible's position. Now, what do you think will happen if the law took that stand? You know, some of the, um, the, the, the Arab countries, they still flog people. Publicly. People still get, still get beaten. And crime is not as bad in those places. Because people know what happens when they do certain things. But the, um, it sounds like a joke, but when the priest started going to see, there was a, a sign on the gallery. I was a sign that captain flogged your feet left in the morning. That was a sign. So how often the crew got flogged? Sound like a lot of flogging men on. Hmm? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so, uh, um, chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led to by them is not wine. Okay, now, what does it tell us about drinking? <laughs> what does it say about drinking? Okay, it's not wise. Wine causes people to become mockers and scoffers. In other words, wine in excess causes people to act beside themselves. Causes people to do a lot of foolish things that they wouldn't do if they were not if they were sober or if they were in their right minds. Uh, we've heard many stories about people who did some things after they got intoxicated, and when they were told what they did, they said, "Me, I did that? No way." Because that's what wine causes people to do. Excess wine. And people who drink too much are actually converted to brawlers by strong drink. They are, they are actually changed and they're transformed. And that's why they say under the influence. Because they're not, by, they're not behaving according to themselves. They're behaving according to the influences of the strong drink. While, my, while wine is made from grapes, strong drink is made from grain. But both lead people astray. Poison starts out by being a social drinker. You know, oh, I just take a few, uh, one every now and then. Then they move to heavy drinking. And then they become an alcoholic. A woman with a drunkard, I A woman who has a drunkard, I let me just say this. It's better not to take the first. Exactly. It's the best way to go. Mm -hmm. That's right. That first one. 
gets off, gets, you know, you never know where it's going to lead. You never know where it's going to lead. And so as hard as he tries to kick the habit, it holds him like chains. That's after the first one. The power to break the chains is what Christ offers, offers to freely give. But a person must first want deliverance. You cannot be delivered if you don't want to be delivered. That's the point. Verse 2. The terror of the king is like the golden He who provokes him and profits his own life. Okay. So fret, fear. Horror. Horrifying fear spreads throughout the king's court whenever he gets mad. Whenever he gets angry. The worst thing you could do is make the king angry. Because you don't know what he'll do. And that's what he's talking about here. Such fear warns of danger like a roaring lion. Whenever a person hears the roar of a lion, people go into tremendous fear. Because they don't know what's going to happen next. A person takes their own lives in their own hands when they provoke the king to anger. And so this is a this is an applicable lesson for us to learn. Romans chapter 13 and verse 4 uh, is what brings this thought to mind. It says uh, in Romans chapter 13 verse 4, The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who are doing wrong. Alright, so it's speaking about the power of the law to punish. Uh, and using the, 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 the fear of the king to paint a picture in our minds of how awful that fear ought to be. Verse 3. A warning of faith is a mark of only fools Many people have experienced this. It's an, an honorable person makes a an honorable person makes a point of keeping their distance from conflict. Okay, you will not. Whenever they see conflict on the horizon, they go in the opposite direction. They keep their distance. Only fools are not happy unless they are fighting with somebody. And if you find somebody who's always in a fight, you guarantee. Nine chances out of ten, they meet all the characteristics that the Bible gives for being a fool. So when a person has absolute confidence in his own strength, they don't need to display it. They don't need to show how powerful or how strong they are when they have confidence in who they are. Brave people do not, do not look for opportunities to prove how brave they are. Do they? No. Brave people don't go around showing off how brave they are. Their brave, their brave characteristic comes out when other people are in trouble and it, it's a necessity for them to act. They don't go around talking, look how brave I am, by doing all kinds of stuff. Creative people find ways to avoid fighting and retaliating. Okay? And that's what we need in our world today, in our country today. People who are creative and find other ways to avoid conflicts. That's what it is. Big missing in our, in our society today. And so we see how important wisdom is. Wisdom allows us to find 
creative ways to avoid fights and conflicts. It's impossible for a foolish person to avoid fighting. But people of character can. So what kind of person are you? Is the question that the proverb challenges us with. Whenever someone rubs you the wrong way or you get bent out of shape, what's the first thing you do? Do you find, try to find a creative way to avoid a conflict? Or you pick up the nearest piece of thing that you get next to you and want to hit him with it? That's what he's talking about. Wisdom allows us to find creative ways to deal with conflict. And I think that there was a commercial that um, um, one of the pastors, uh, what's the guy's name up on New Covenant? Simeon Hall. I had a commercial on uh, one time ago about uh, how to respond to conflict. And it's good advice. Verse 4. Okay, <clears throat> and this is one that's pretty much straightforward. Anyone who is too lazy to plow in the right season will starve. There's a season for everything the Bible says, and there's a season to plow and a season to reap. If you don't plow in the season to plow, you ain't gonna have nothing to reap. That makes a lot of sense, right? Common sense, right? The wind usually blows from the north in Israel during the months of November and December. So that is the time for plowing. Because the weather is cold, however, lazy people use that as an excuse for not plowing. Nothing can be planted until the plowing takes place. And if there's no plowing, there's going to be nothing to harvest, right? It makes common sense. You see, common sense ain't common to a fool. Yet the lazy person will wonder why there's no grain in the field without realizing the fact that he didn't plow, he didn't plant any. He was too lazy to plant and he doesn't remember that he didn't plant anything and he still goes out there looking for something to harvest. All of us have heard similar warnings. If you fail to study, you fail the test. Right? If we refuse to save, you won't have any money when you need it. Get it all the time. God wants us to not only anticipate future needs, but also prepare for them. A lot of times people anticipate needs, but they don't prepare for it. God wants us to do both. He wants us to anticipate the needs or plan, but he also wants us to prepare. When we cause our own problems through lack of planning and action, we can't expect God to come to our rescue all the time. And a lot of people do that. Okay? While he is faithful in providing for us, he also expects us to be responsible. And there are a lot of irresponsible people that are expecting God to come to their rescue all the time because they refuse to plan and prepare and anticipate for future needs. And so this is a very wise advice for for us to take. Verse 5. Okay, so good advice is where? In the heart. Deep in the heart. That's where good advice lives. That's where it resides. 
The thoughts and intentions of a person are often hidden deeply in their minds. They will not generally bring them to the surface. But a discerning person knows exactly how to draw them out. Knows exactly how to use the right questions and the right words to bring them out. And this is why counselors are so helpful because that's what they do. They allow people to bring out those deep thoughts that are in their minds. And so he says, though good advice lies deep in the heart, a person with understanding. Now a person with understanding is also a person who pays attention to the wisdom of God's word. You don't have to be a trained counselor to bring out the wisdom that people have deep in their hearts. All you have to be is a person who pays attention to the word of God and applies it. That's all of us, right? That could be any one of us. You look at the word of God, you read it, and many of us have given that advice many times. We have heard a person talk about issues or problems that they're having, and our mind automatically reflects on something that the word of God teaches us. And we say it to them, we say, you know, I was reading the scriptures together, and, and this is what it said. And just by saying that, you draw out the deep thoughts in another person that they would not have been thinking about unless you made that statement. And so that's what he's talking about here. And so it's important for us to share the word of God with others, to draw, to allow the wisdom and knowledge that God has given us to impact the lives of other people and bring out the best in them. Verse 6. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly Who can? Everybody's a friend when you got something that they want. Everybody's a friend when you can do something that would be helpful to them. It's hard to find people who profess to be loyal. But it's another thing to find those who are really faithful. There's a difference between what people are and what they want others to think they are. It is a difference between person and personality. Okay, so be careful about those who claim to be friends when they're not really friends at all. Verse 7. The body walking in Yes, they are their children who follow them. Many people are rejoicing because of this today. They are godly people who walk with integrity. Their children watch them as they're growing up and they follow in their footsteps. That's what he's talking about. Because righteous people are in walking honesty and integrity, their children have a noble heritage and benefit from their life and all the examples that they set. Uh, verse 8. When a king sits in judgment, he weighs all the evidence, distinguishing the bad from the good. And this is what leaders are to do. A king distinguishes the good from the bad when he sits in judgment by weighing not some, but all of the evidence. Everything that is said before him, he weighs all the evidence. With his all-seeing eye, like flames of fire, the Lord Jesus Christ will see through all the deception and examine all the evidence when he sits on his throne in judgment. And that's a good reminder for us. 
Verse 9. Can anybody say that? Can any one of us just say that? No. No one can cleanse themselves from sin by their own efforts. But a lot of people are trying. There are a lot of people who are trying today. They're doing all kinds of things. Who can say I've made my heart clean? I am pure from sin. Anyone thinks, anyone who thinks they are pure is a victim of hallucinations. In other words, they're just plain crazy. That's what it amounts to. There is, however, cleansing through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. True believers have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, as the scripture tells us. The robes, according to Revelation 7.14, their robes are white because of the blood of the Lamb and its cleansing power. Revelation 7.14 talks about the believers washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So there's no one who is completely without sin. No one. As soon as we confess our sin and repent, Sinful thoughts and actions begin to sneak back in our minds and hearts. The moment we confess, as we confess, someone said, as we are confessing a sin, we are thinking about how we are going to commit that sin again. We all need moment by moment ongoing cleansing. I would say second by second. With this kind of world that we live in. We are thankful that God provides forgiveness by His mercy Whenever we ask for it, and He is merciful, He will never ever turn us down when we ask for mercy. He's always provided it. Confession and repentance should be a regular part of our talks with God. Rely on Him moment by moment for all the cleansing that we need. Don't take anything for granted. We live in a sinful world. We are surrounded by the influences of the enemy. And so He uses everything against us to cause us to fall and so moment by moment cleansing is what is needed uh, we are not taken out of the presence of sin God has saved us from the penalty of sin but we continue to deal with the presence of sin and the power of sin verse 10 for the last the Lord detests double standards of every kind. Now, what is he talking about here? Cheating. Cheating? Okay. Anything else? Huh? Right. Right. He's talking about people who cheat their customers, people who are unfaithful, who try to get away with murder. All deceitful baits and measures are hated by God. In other words, any kind of device or any kind of scheme or any kind of trick that you use to scheme or to trick a person or to take a per from a person what they truly deserve is what God hates. And this includes any kind of dishonest piece of equipment, like the stuff that they use in the web shops for gaming. All that, all that equipment is included in what God hates. Uh, the, the, the um, using stuff to benefit you 
<coughs> excuse me, at the expense of others. In other words, you're taking away from others so that you may gain. And this includes uh, the butcher putting something on the, putting a piece of meat on the scale to weigh for you and keeping his finger there. Okay? So that he can get a little bit more. I mean, you're not getting the actual weight if he put the meat on the scale and he got his hands there, right? Because his hands is also in the weight. Okay, but it's a trick that they use uh, so that he can get more out of you. Uh, the meat weighs five pounds, but his finger resting on it, depending on how much weight he puts on it, could add an extra couple of pounds. Okay, you don't know that. And you're not thinking that. You're only thinking about what the scale says. You're not thinking about the trick that he uses to cause the scale to say what he wants it to say. And so that you can see what, 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 you, what you think you ought to be seeing. And it even includes the practice of demanding stricter standards from others than we do for ourselves. And so all of these things are the things that God hates. And we need to be cautious of that and be on the, on the, on the alert that some of the things that people do to try to get or to take advantage of us. We can stop there because our time is gone. But I believe we get the point uh, in terms of the kind of wisdom that God wants us to have and to apply to our lives on a day-in and day-out basis that brings honor to God, that blesses us, and also is a blessing to others. Amen?